Well, welcome to uh, week two of People of the Second Chance. And I love this series I, as I'm studying for it and having the opportunity to uh, just really look through the Gospels at these second chance moments that Jesus makes very clear are a part of His DNA and God's culture for you and I. It, it, it's incredible the things that are jumping out to help us really live out our second chance. And last week, we looked at just the reality that we serve a God of second chance, right? And uh, this week, we're going to look at the element of what is it to, to receive that second chance or walk it out, if you would. Um, John three seventeen. I think, you know, you see crazy people with multicolor wigs and stuff wearing John three sixteen at sports events, and they're like, oh, you know, and, and you see those guys. Uh, or there's even weirder people who wear Manning jerseys, even though he plays for Denver now. But anyway, that's just a side note. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, James, there's a little love going your way, okay? Is that good? Um, so, but, you know, they have these John 3.16, and that's a cool verse, right? It's very important to the faith. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. But if you leave off John 3.17, you're toast, right? Because you miss what this world needs to hear. And that is, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And so many people walk through life in self-condemnation, thinking that they are way far out of the reach of the grace of Jesus, that there's no way He would accept them, there's no way He would love them. Last night, while my wife was having a conversation with someone about this. And they look at her with tears and they say, there's no way you would be my friend if you knew who I really was. And Dana was like, you know what, that's so absolutely not true. Because I would accept you for whoever you are. And that's all it took for her to say, well then, I'm not a Christian, but would you pray with me? And I look at moments like that and I say, how many of those are possible if we would just live out being people of the second chance? We talked about vultures last week and told the story about the woman caught in adultery. It was actually not the first woman caught in adultery that Jesus encountered, right? And, uh, but this time, it was with a bunch of religious rulers around her, and they wanted to stone her to death. And he's like, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And the story is that all of them dropped their rocks and walked away, and Jesus looked at her eyes and said, where are those who condemn you? And she says, they're gone. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And she is able to go and start a new life, right? And looked at those religious rulers of that day, and still today that we have religious rulers that are more of vultures than grace dispensers. And how we need to just resist with everything in us that vulture culture, and to take up the grace culture in our lives. And so it's great to know that we have that challenge, but then as those who receive grace, maybe we were in the vulture culture, or maybe, you know, we've just yet to really experience the depth of God's grace. How do we take that? How do we pick it up and take our second chance? Now, I have four kids, right? Two 10-year-olds, Jocelyn and Jenna, six-year-old, Jaden, full of life, a lot of energy, 
dear Lord. And then, uh, and then two-year-old that tries to break everything because uh, he's almost three, and his name is Preston. He's a dude. And, uh, and, and so I have these kids, and so we like to watch kid movies, right? Uh, one that we just watched on the plane back and forth from Indonesia, Monsters University. Anybody get a chance to see Monsters University? Great movie. Uh, there's just great messages in it. It's for the kid in all of us, right? You don't have, I, here's your permission. You don't have to have kids to go see some great cartoon animation movies out there. Monsters University, the whole deal is about a second chance. The whole movie and really the audacity and the, and the persistence it takes to not give up on who you know you are to be and uh, how it takes all of us working together sometimes to get to our second chance. And we're going to see persistence in today's Bible story. It's, it's in Mark 5, 24 through 34. You know, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they all tell of these occurrences that happen in Jesus' life, all these records of the grace moments. And, and this is in, this story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, recorded from all of their perspectives. But I love Mark's perspective. Uh, it introduces us really to three beliefs we should have in order to receive our second chance. And uh, here's, the, here's the setup, ultimately. Uh, Jesus has been doing some crazy miracles already. In fact, he went to this, this tomb area where there was this guy who, like, would break the chains that the city would put him in to, like, protect themselves from this guy. They had banished him to this graveyard. And, and so he would, he, he would live amongst the rocks and the stones, and, and uh, Jesus shows up on the scene where this guy's at, and, like, the demons in him manifest and, and, and recognize Jesus, and, and Jesus asks the demons' names. Weird deal to do, right? Hey, what's your name? You know? And they're like, I'm Legion. And you're like, I need to wear man diapers right now. You know, that's what I would do if somebody said that to me. What's your name? I'm Legion. Oh, dear Lord. You know? uh, I think I just pooped myself. But anyway, that, that may happen to me, but it didn't, Jesus. He's there, and he's just like, he, he saw some pigs nearby, and he cast that legion that was in the dude out into this herd of pigs, and they drowned, which is a waste of some great bacon, right? But they did. They drowned. And, uh, and so stories of miracles like that began to spread. Jesus goes across the water, and there's a religious ruler there that should really not have been asking Jesus for anything, but he did. His 12-year-old daughter was on her deathbed, and he came in hopes of life in this youth generation, this 12-year-old. And he's, he said, would you come and lay hands on my daughter and heal her? So Jesus is on a mission, right, to go and heal. This guy's name was Jairus, to go and heal Jairus' daughter. He's like, it's, if it were a church service and, and you showed up, it would be, hey, today we're preaching a message on healing for Jairus' daughter. It's all about Jairus right now. It was, a, it was his message. It was his moment. But this woman decides to sneak in and take advantage of the fact that Jesus is coming near her. And she does something that was forbidden against the law and beautiful. And that's what we're going to read here. In verse 24 of Mark 5, it says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. That's pressed around Jesus on his way to Jairus' house, right? And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal under the uh, care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had come out from him. He turned around. He turned around. How many of you are ready for your turnaround? Your second chance, if you will, your turnaround is in his turnaround. He turned around so you could get your turnaround. So let's continue. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Imagine being one of his disciples. That, that he, he asks that to his disciples, right? Who touched my clothes? They're like, Pfft. you see the people crowding against you? His disciple answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? Like, everyone? Is that a good answer? Like, all these people? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The same thing she had just sensed in her own body, that she had been freed from her suffering. He's now telling her, go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Taking hold of your second chance is all about your living at peace and freedom from your suffering. At peace and freedom from your suffering. He turned around so that you could receive your turnaround. This is the Jesus in Scripture, the Son of God we read about and have an opportunity to learn from and discover more of. The woman was audacious. And we don't probably understand how audacious she was unless, like, we understood all of the laws of that day. I mean, if you go all the way back in your Bible to Leviticus 15, there's all kinds of laws in place. There's moral laws, there's civil laws, there's, you know, contextualized laws that obviously don't apply today, but they did back then. And in this season, in the Mosaic Law, if she had an issue of bleeding, she was banished from the city in contact with any Israelite until she'd been free from an issue of bleeding for at least seven days. If she touched an Israelite, while suffering from an issue of bleeding, then she was going to be putting both herself at risk of condemnation and even deserving of death and put that upon the Israelite as well. So by sneaking up to Jesus and even just touching his cloak could ruin his ministry that was having stories spread about it and really just beginning. There was incredible risk in what she did. She deserved death for it, but she risked anyway. So when she came up to Jesus and she told him the whole truth, 
Like that was a big deal. Because she was like, I am whole, but I understand my life could be taken right now. That's, that's a big moment. That is crazy. So maybe put this in a context today. Uh, I don't know. What have you been hiding for years? I mean, she'd been suffering from this for 12 years. What, who do you know that has every right to just be pissed at God? And they have been for 12 years. They're just mad. Life hasn't treated them fairly. They can't be, they can't find in themselves a way to make themselves whole. They've, they've gone and tried to get help. They've spent themselves. I love the wording in this passage. It says she spent all she had, but who do we know that's just honestly, religiously spent? I've gone to God. I've gone. I've cried out to Him. I wanted them to be well, but I could have easily been that person this week as a gal that I had an opportunity in this little village in Tumbanglahong in the middle of Indonesia. This woman with this massive gourd on her neck came up for prayer, and she was not well, and I prayed for her in, in, in a service, in kind of a revival service. And uh, she had made a decision to follow Jesus and prayed for her for healing, right? And everything within me is like, Lord, heal her, right? I've read stories. Smith Wigglesworth stories in the Old Testament, you know, just like the old time Pentecost, and he would like punch people with a gourd like that, and they would spit it out and be well. And I'm like, Lord, if you want me to punch this chick, I'll do it, man. You know, but I, I, I know it. one pastor said, if, if I'm sick and you punch me in the place of my affliction, you better have heard from God, because if I'm not well, I'm punching you back, right? And so I just like, was like, Lord, if you want me to, I'll, you know, so I'm just like, but I know, I, I know Jesus can heal. I've seen God heal. I've seen miracles right before my eyes. So I'm like, Lord, heal this woman. And uh, the next morning when we woke up, uh, some people came to the house and asked if we would cross the street. The people we were staying with, it was their grandmother. And she lived right across the street. And so we walked across the dirt road, and, 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 and they wanted us to go and pray for her because she was in a coma. So if, if faith was all about me, and I would uh, be the one that, you know, all the healings revolved around, uh, I would have a low self-esteem at this moment, right? Because I just prayed for the gal the night before. She's supposed to be well, true? And, uh, but now she's in a coma. Not good for my resume of healing evangelist, correct? And so I, uh, uh, which I've never put on my resume, by the way. But anyway, I, I was like, well, let's go across and pray for her. So a team of us went across the street, and we anointed her with oil. We prayed with her. That's what the Bible says, you know, the prayer of, uh, of the elders in the church can make the sick person well, anoint them with oil, lay your hands on them and pray. She came out of a coma. So we felt good. They weren't able to get her to a doctor till Monday, right? And she just had such ailment in her body that they didn't know what was happening, whether it was cancer and this gourd or whatever. So... Uh, I got a message this week on Facebook, and it was, it was a message passed along to me that she had passed away. And you're like, God, 
I wrestled with that this week. And um, the cutest little girl that just made me miss mine when I was in the jungle with all the joy in her and in that home. And, and she was one of the only girls I didn't pray with while I was there at the, in that village that wasn't sad because she had lost her grandma. She still had her grandma. But other kids would come up and they, you'd say, what can I pray with you for? And they'd go, I'm just sad. And they're all crying. You're like, why? Either they had lost a brother, a mother, a father, a grandma to malaria or dengue fever or Japanese encephalitis or just they drank the water. <laughs> and, uh, but this little girl in the house we stayed in still had her grandma, but now she doesn't. Messed me up, honestly. And in the light of this message, I was going... Lord, I'm spent in the area of healing. I'm sad. It's tough on this family. Do something, right? We know people that have had an experience like this and walked away from the faith. And we serve the God of second chances. This lady in this story, her circumstances continued to get worse as well, right? She spent all she had, and she just continued to get more sick. So the frustrations were rising, right? Then she heard about Jesus. The woman hears about Jesus and, and that he's been doing some crazy miracles, and something in her says if she could just touch his clothes, like what even makes you think that? If I could just touch his clothes, I'll be cool, you know? And she doesn't advertise her suffering. Who does? We never advertise our suffering or, hey, these are my weaknesses. Here, here's my resume, right? I can't heal the sick. No, but my God can, if he chooses. You know, but we don't advertise our, our weaknesses, right? And she sneaks up behind Jesus touches his clothes unnoticed by everybody around her. You know the people knew her. They had to have, or maybe they've forgotten. Twelve years is a long time. Out of sight, out of mind, right? But, like, isn't that the lady that has the issue? I mean, what was the conversation in the town? What was it like? And she sneaks into the crowd when she… He, Jesus was going the opposite direction. And she touches his cloak and… He senses it. He senses that power had gone out from him. And although she sneaks up behind him, something beautiful is demonstrated when he turns around. And sometimes we sneak in or we invite someone who sneaks in and out of church. Jesus turns around for them and touches their life. We should expect something powerful to happen every Sunday in people's lives every day through us in people's lives who are in our circle of influence. And the coolest thing is Jesus didn't just turn around and go, huh. It says Jesus keeps looking. That's how much God loves you and me. It's when everything's going wrong, when we're completely spent, when we're at the end of our options, and all we can do is even, just to save face, is even just sneak up to Jesus. Maybe read the Bible on our own and not let anybody know we're doing it. You know? 
when people around us even just expose themselves to Jesus and His faith by opening the Bible and maybe saying a secret prayer, help me. Jesus turns around and pays complete attention to their needs. And He keeps looking until He finds us. God's pursuing you and me. God's pursuing our friends. God wants to use you and me as well to reach out to them, and we'll talk more about that in coming weeks. So she comes clean. She tells the whole truth, which means she confessed in front of all those people, I'm worthy to be stoned and killed. I'm worthy to die, even though I've just been made whole. I mean, she's coming clean because she became clean. Kind of really weird. And Jesus says something incredible. It was not her actions that healed her. He says it was her faith. It wasn't that she touched the clothes at all. It was her faith that heals her. Jesus just wants to make that clear. It was your faith that has resulted in your freedom, in your peace. And he sends her right there. He says, now you have a role. Go in peace and freedom from your suffering. Man, it's just such a crazy story to me. And this is where ultimately the religious would come in, right, and start to put all these recommendations on her. Well, okay, really, you know, I know Jesus said go, but there's seven days, right? You need to stay away for seven days. And the vulture culture, remember, we, you can listen to the podcast from last week. But this is where the religious would come in and, and, and try to put the law on her, but really grace is what she deserves and is what is facing her when Jesus turned around and kept looking for her. It's one thing to be touched by God, but it's a complete additional thing to actually walk out that peace and freedom. It's way harder to ultimately know about a second chance and receive that second chance. It took me as a follower of Jesus over a year to really believe I was forgiven. I read the Bible almost all the way through in that time, and it wasn't until I just finally went to a pastor and I said to Rob Vatter in his office at Shoreline Community Church and said, I am too far from the grace of God. And he opened his Bible up to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and read that passage, such were some of you, but you were washed, justified, cleansed. And I was like, it just, I was like, okay, I guess I'm free. What does it take for us to receive our freedom? We have to do more than know we have access to it. We have to really receive it. So here's three beliefs that may take you time to receive, may take you time to grasp like it did me, again, over a year. But here's three beliefs that I, believe, I really believe we have to grab a hold of to receive and walk out our second chance. Number one, believe that Jesus saves you. We have to be just like this woman. We have to believe that Jesus saves us. The Bible says everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 13. Everyone, not those who have grown up in the church, not those who are the correct race, not those who are the right gender, not those with the right background or the financial means or the… No, it says 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. During the summer, I went to the doctor because I usually annually, maybe multiple times, get a sinus infection. You know, they've wanted to do like the roto-rooter thing that costs thousands of dollars on my nose and puts you out for a couple weeks. Yeah, I've never been a fan of that thought, so I haven't done that. But I, I, I'm like, let me see, $3,000 plus out of pocket or $100 in uh, medication a couple, times a, month, a couple times a year to get over sinus infection. I'll take $200 uh, versus $3,000. You know, it's just, it's just a, a budgetary decision. But anyway, you know, so sinus infection I get all the time. So this summer before we were going to Indonesia, I felt this sinus infection kicked in, and I hadn't had one for like a year and a half, so I go in. And the day I went in, and I don't even have a doctor because I don't go to the doctor enough, right? So I just went into a local uh, doctoral office. I don't want to talk bad about a certain one, so I'll just say it that way. And uh, I went into the, this urgent, like, care space and, and, and checked in and told them what I thought was wrong, right? And they they scaled me, which is just, they don't even take your cell phone out of your pocket anymore or your shoes off. That's not fair. But anyway, so they scale me in. I'm like, really? That's like about 10 more pounds than our scale at home. I'll go with that one, please. Write this number down. But they didn't. They wrote the one down there. You know, they take your temperature, your blood pressure, and, and then they sit you down and ask you what's wrong with you. And they type it into a little computer. And, and then uh, uh, the doctor comes in. And he, he looks at what's typed in the computer and and kind of has the chart in his hand and, and says, so you think you have a sinus infection? I'm like, yeah, I get them every once in a while. He looks at my records and goes, yeah, you do. Well, uh, here's your uh, prescription. Thanks for coming in. Walks out. Never even like looked in my nose. I could be a sinus infection medication junkie, right? I was like, he never looked in my ears, my nose. He doesn't know if I'm swollen. He didn't do the little tap, tap, tap thing. You know, I'm like, where's the normal behavior of a doctor, right? And he walks out. I was like, I'm going to get charged for this. Like, I'm going to pay for that guy's two seconds. I was a little frustrated, honestly. I was. I was like, this guy really just had a job to do and another room to get into. And I was nobody. I was mad a little, right? Dana's like, call right now, get a refund. <laughs> That's kind of a deal. But I was like, oh, oh, well, I'll just kind of see what happens. And sure enough, this very expensive medication I had to pay for out of my pocket did nothing. Two weeks later, I'm miserable. So I, and I'm about to fly out, right? It's, uh, to Indonesia now. I'm going, uh-oh, on a plane with this, no good. So I go in again, reluctantly, and this time different doctor comes in, and he says, he's like chipper. He's asking questions. He's checking me out. You know, I'm like, sinus, not my eyes, but he's checking everything, right? He's going, he's very thorough, and then he's like, he says this beautiful phrase, everybody deserves a break now and then. I'm just going, what does he mean? He walks out of the room, Comes back in with this pile of stuff, you know. He sets on the table and he's like, okay, so this is, you, you couldn't afford this on your insurance. He sets this medication there. And he's like, but take this for the next, you know, 10 days and, until you're done. And, and then here's this inhaler, you know. Take this twice a day until it runs out and, and do this when you get on the plane. He's typing up directions for me. He gives me this 8.5 by 11 printout and I'm going, so this guy like really cared. This is a good day. 
I love the phrase, everybody deserves a break now and then from a doctor. Are you kidding? So I didn't even have to go spend my out-of-pocket prescription, you know. And, and so you have the first doctor and the second doctor, and one doctor feels like doing the least, and the other one feels like making a difference. And it made me think, I'm so glad God is consistent. And He says He desires for everybody to be saved. And you don't have a bad day where you like go to God and He's just like, oh, yeah, this isn't your lucky day, whatever, I'm not forgiving that. Right? It's just like He's consistent. If we just put our faith in Him, if we just trust Him, we don't call on Him and He's going, I am awesome today, I forgive you. Or he's like, you know, didn't have my coffee yet, so not, not so much. Nope, not you, you know. It, could you imagine? So it's good news that Jesus doesn't heal this woman because he felt like it that day, that moment. He heals her because she had faith. That simple. Because he's Jesus. And... Uh, we need to put our belief in that, in, in Jesus. Aren't you glad you're saved by grace instead of feelings? Because <laughs> it, would, it would just not be as easy. Some faiths, though, still kind of treat God like He's in a bad, having a bad day. You know, it's feeling-based faith. There's a lot of feeling-based faith out there, but feelings are, uh, I guess, a good word, and it's kind of an old word, fickle. Is that a funny word? Fickle. It's funny to write. But anyway, you know, it's just like, you know, the feelings come and go, and, and, and it's a bit frustrating, and, and, and we get frustrated, and we're worn out, and we're tired, and if we base our faith on our feelings, we're going to feel like we're in good connection with God and out of connection with God if our faith is based on feelings. But if it's just based, if faith says no matter what our moment, no matter what our attitude, God loves us, which it does in the Bible, then we should feel comfortable with that because we're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad weeks. You could say, even though I'm in a state of depression, at least I know God still believes in me. You could say, even though I'm tired and worn out and not feeling it, I know I can show up to church because my faith is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Often when God works in our lives, it's when we don't feel it the most. You know, we're like, I don't feel like going, but I know I should. And God does something beautiful in our life in that moment. We need to place our faith and trust in Jesus. Believe that Jesus saves us. And if feelings are our compass, we're in trouble. And we'll give in to our temptations We'll give in to those emotions that rise up. I have an emotion at like about 10 o'clock at night. That emotion says, see if there's ice cream in the freezer, right? I lost 40 pounds this last year. I really don't want to grab that back on. But if I go to that refrigerator or freezer, just because I feel like, you know, having something sweet, which I do every night at 10 for some reason. I have no idea why. It's 10 o'clock, but I just do. And I'm like, hmm, snack. I've stayed up long enough that now dinner is worn off, and I'm thinking, I just need to hold myself over till breakfast. Let's see, a big bowl of ice cream, Tillamook mudslide with some peanut butter melted on top of it. That'd be good. Yeah, let's pound those 1,000 calories, load those in, right? And then about 3 a.m., what happens? At about 3 a.m., I'm like waking up. I'm burping peanut butter. That's no good, right? But yeah, I used to live 
live that way every night, honestly. That's like, that was not good. That's, it's like I was bulking up for a wrestling match every night. But, uh, you know, so here I lose 40 pounds. So I have this conversation with myself now when I walk up to the freezer. I'm like, no, don't, because you feel better. You're less sick. You've saved a lot of money. It's not good for your heart. You could get diabetes, you know. Just go to bed if you're hungry and go to bed. You'll, you'll feel better in the morning, you know. But then you're like, oh, you know, dairy's good for you. You know, there's this other side. You have both the angel and the devil, and you're listening to the devil. Oh, do it, do it, you know. Just, it's the, the label. There's vitamins on the ingredients. You look, there's a daily allowance, you know. You can try to lie yourself into it, right? It's been a few days. This is just splurge. You'll see, you're like, well, maybe I should. But if you do it, you have regret, right? I'm talking about ice cream, but we do that with our lives as well and sin, don't we? We're just like... Feelings are a dangerous compass, so pick faith over feeling. Put your faith in Jesus. Number two, believe Jesus completes you. Believe Jesus completes you. Now, here's a cool little illustration that should make sense to you. Jesus completes you. Uh, There's an artist that takes pictures of items that he takes apart. He, like, displays all the parts of these items out. And uh, so so look up here at at these images. can you tell what that is? Lawnmower. See, the blade in the center kind of gives it away, doesn't it? But he lays every single part out and, and uh, takes pictures of it. Kind of a cool art form. Look at this next one. Um, uh, oh, see, somebody got that typewriter. Some of you are like, what's a typewriter? Right? But that's okay. I could explain it. It still wouldn't make any sense. There's a lot of pieces in a typewriter, and that's a pretty interesting display of it. Uh, next one. Kind of the frame and the wheels give it away, don't they? Uh, but, you know, think how long it would take to put that thing back together. Even if somebody got it started for me. Okay, and then fin- final picture, final, final one. This is, this is crazy. Anybody? camera. A digital, this is a digital camera. It's kind of painful to look at when you realize the cost of a digital camera. Now imagine if somebody came up to to you and challenged you to put it together, back together. Okay, here's our task today. Put the camera back together. And you're like, I would want to call like Canon or whoever Whoever made that camera and say, get me started. Help me out here, right? Do something. Get the maker to kind of come and start to put it back together. And I'll help you. I'll hand you the tools or the part. Or are they labeled like A to triple Z? How do I do this, right? You know, A goes to B, which goes, never works out that way. I'll, I'll read directions for the first time in my life. Help me. And, uh, but, but, you know, what if midway, I've got the maker of the camera there, they're putting it back together, and I kind of see how this is going, and I just kind of stop him and go, dude, I appreciate your time. Man, it has been great to have you. But I got this. I think from here, I got this. This is going to work. I know I have to, uh, I'm going to take a picture with this beauty, but uh, um, uh, let me just put it back together. That'd be kind of crazy, wouldn't it? Especially if you know me, I can't like build stuff. So, and I did build a church in Indonesia. I really feel bad for the person it's going to fall on, but I'm just saying, I did put the roof on, which is dangerous. Uh, 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 luckily, there were other people there who knew that they were doing, and, and I think that's where we need the maker of our lives involved in putting us back together, right? 
But we do the same thing with God. We get part of the way. We're like, okay, I'll choose to follow Jesus. Yeah, I'll start to, to read your word and allow our lives to start coming back together. But then we're like, God, I got this from here. And that love and dependence and faith we initially had that is promised to complete us, we kind of put on pause and we walk away and kind of take things into our own hands. And it's painful to consider, but we do it. We forget the grace we were initially given and we don't walk out the second chance we've received with the Maker right there with us. Listen to what Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So that's Jesus, right? Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, which until he returns for us. So when he promises us to go live at peace, free from our suffering, why do we try to take our life into our own hands and tune Him out at seasons and think, maker of me, I've got this. We need to keep ourselves open and trust that He is completing us and put our dependence in Him and not kind of try to do it ourselves. Or we'll get back in that same spent state Lacking peace, frustrated, panicked. Jesus completes you. Finally, believe that Jesus redeems you. We talked a lot about this last week. But believe that Jesus redeems you. Something told this woman that if she just touched his clothes, she would be made well. It's attributed to her faith. She became well. Imagine her story in the community. She'd been banished from people for 12 years. How lonely, how painful. What was she known for? Did they look at her? Did they see her? Did they talk to her from a distance? Did they know the outfit she wore? What might the response be when she walked into the room again? (gasps) No, no, I'm all good guys, like, Jesus healed me. How would that play out? And how, how do you think that would affect everyone in the room? How many people did she open the door for a second chance in their life because they had something hidden that they needed to sneak up behind Jesus and get rid of? What were they hiding that they longed to be set free from? Man, if we could just get this thing figured out, that it's God who works in us, that He's the one who redeems us. Philippians 2.13 is what says this, God works in us to will and to act according to His good purpose. And I think sometimes we get the process all mixed up. You know, we, 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 we look at these blocks of our life and, and we kind of say, man, if I could just get my life right and, you know, I, I could start to do good things and make a difference. So, like, generosity is easy for us, right, because we feel good about ourselves. And then if I, could, if I could, you know, just be known now for a good life, then, then maybe Jesus would accept me. Now, if these blocks were bigger, you would, right, 
If I was in a survivor competition, I would be eliminated from the island right there, right? I'd drop. It doesn't stack well. We get it backwards. Really, we're, what, what God's challenging us to do is put our faith in Jesus, the Redeemer, the one who completes us. We can put our faith in Him, and when we grow in knowledge of Him, our life will start to bear Christ-like fruit, Jesus-like behavior patterns, which results in we're going to just, out of the overflow of the love for us, we're going to love others. We're going to start to do things a little differently that maybe some would call good deeds. It won't be like pulling teeth to get people to serve. They'll serve because they're being served. And that love results in our having a firm foundation of faith that doesn't get all tipsy. No matter how you stack it, it's complete because Jesus is the foundation. But if we think we redeem us and our behaviors change us, life's going to be a little wobbly. We get it backwards, don't we? It's God who works in us to will and to act according to His good purpose. Jesus results in life-bearing fruit, good deeds, and it transforms our life. We just need to put our focus on Him. I don't know what your application is today. Maybe you'd need to embrace faith in Jesus for the first time in your life, I encourage you to do that. But on the back of your connection card, there's some options of response. So we can pray and agree with you of your choice. You know, on the left-hand side is like your next step. What should I do right now? Like, should I let Jesus finish what He started in me? Did I somehow tune the Maker out halfway through putting me back together? And I just need to open my life back up to Him? What is it? Do I need to flip the blocks in my life? Do I need to literally say, oh man, I've totally been trying to build my faith upon me and get Jesus eventually to come into the picture? Or do you just need to surrender yourself to Jesus so that this fruit can begin to complete you? There's another thing on the right-hand side of your connection card that talks about, there's a couple dates there, October 20th and 27th. And we shared a couple weeks ago in our vision week about being excited to share this even what we're talking about in this series, this second chance type of culture, this grace culture, a culture where we're willing to connect and serve and share over and over again the love of Jesus. And making that known and to where we all understand it and we're all in alignment and we can all be active in our faith. And so we have this two-hour event where we're uh, dialoguing about membership and who Open Life is, clarifying our mission, our values, our beliefs and culture with each other. And I want to encourage you to participate in one of those. We're going to host both of those at our house. Just pick one. But we want everybody to have a chance to do it. So we threw it on a couple different days, the 20th or the 27th. Check a box. Love to have you present at that, at one of them. But I don't know what your response is today. Something on the back there. Check a box. Write a prayer request. We want to see Jesus do amazing things in and through you. And He can. So I'm going to pray for you. And then... I want you to see a really powerful story in closing uh, before we uh, collect your connection cards and offering here in a second as James comes up. So, God, I thank you for what you're doing in our life. I thank you for flipping the blocks in our life and, and giving us an opportunity to receive your grace. And I know sometimes we feel like we have to sneak up on you, like we don't deserve your love or your grace, but the reality is you you accept us. You made us. You keep looking for us. You turn around 
when it's in the middle of somebody else's healing. You were supposed to be going to heal that 12-year-old, which you did, but Jesus, you, you show us that even in the midst of your, all that you have to do, you can turn around and see us in our need, in our issue. And I don't know what we walked through the door with today, and it doesn't matter what the talk is even about today, because each one of us come through that door, we can, we can reach out and touch you and, and be completed in only the way you know we need to be completed. Whatever's hidden, whatever's, whatever the mess is in our life, we can reach out and you can give us our peace back, our freedom back. If we're spent, you can help us no longer suffer. And so I pray that over every one of us. I pray your blessings this week over every one of us. Whatever it is, Lord, that we would feel more complete this week because we understand what it is to walk out our second chance. And I just thank you for everybody who is able to make it. May we comprehend how far-reaching your grace is for not only us but others around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.